changes. We're not really sure. Some try to, some try to ascribe it to King David. Uh, others do not, and it's really kind of a uh, one of those psalms that people really they love, but they're not sure who the actual author was. Some say it was during the time of Moses when they left the Exodus. So it's best to maybe just see this as a psalm written by an unknown psalmist. Um, but it's been, it's been, it's one of the most popular of all the psalms. And I don't know if you're familiar with uh, William Shakespeare. Shakespeare used Psalm 100 in his uh, writing Merry Wives of Windsor. And of course, you know about Shakespeare, to be or not to be, right? There were some other great lines from Shakespeare, but it found its way uh, in not only Psalm 100, but some other psalms in Shakespeare's writings. Uh, in, the, in 1885, the courtship of Miles Standish, you all should know that name, right? Miles Standish, 16th, this, the, this courtship of Miles Standish was written by Henry Longfellow. Uh, it was set in uh, 1621. And in that, what happened here? That's strange. I don't know what happened to this. But it's the, it's the, Pur the old Puritan anthem, which is, now that's strange. That has never happened to a PowerPoint that I've had. It looked like somebody smudged it. But anyway, very popular hymn. And it really does focus on worship. In fact, remember we talked last week about uh, uh, the Psalms being broken down into five separate books. And this is obviously one of those Psalms of praise. But more than that, you, you know, you talk about what makes a really good church. What makes a good church worship? Uh, is it a friendly church? I, you know, I've been, I've visited churches several times that nobody said anything to me. We'd walk in, sit down. It seemed like, you know, Lord help you if you actually sit in their spot. Because, you know, in Baptist churches, we have our own spots. And uh, so there's, there's times when a friendly church can be a draw. And sometimes the preaching can be a draw. But ultimately, when we meet here on Sunday, it's for worship. And worship expresses itself through the offering, through prayers, through singing, which I'll try to get better at, uh, singing and through preaching. But ultimately, when we talk about worship and we talked about grace, the arrow going down, that we bask in God's grace, we live that grace, we share that grace, but ultimately our response to that, the response to grace, is worship. And, and by the way, you don't have to be in church to worship. Worship should take place every day. And some worships are better than others. I, I get that. But at the heart of worship is the heart. And we look at the psalmist's heart here this, this morning. Um, it's really about you and me. When we come in here, how, is, how are we attuned to God? How are we responding to the grace that he has so marvelously given us? and the grace which he has bestowed upon us. And so, again, the natural response to that grace 
is worship. Not just here, but also out there. It can be uh, listening to music on your way to work, uh, maybe listening to a sermon. It could be all those, but it's not just Sunday. It should be an atmosphere or an individual um, praise daily. And, and I get it. There are days when we get frustrated. There are days when we get angry. There are days when we're just not bringing our A game for God. I totally get that, and I understand that. But <clears throat> so anyway, let's, let's look at what we got. Now, there's, there's several types of psalms. I wanted to kind of share this with you. There's Within this genre, these five books, there's all types of psalms. There's complaints of the people. Oh, Lord, how long will you... Complaints of the people, mostly the nation of Israel. Uh, there's complaints of individuals. David, Lord, how long are you going to let your enemies triumph over me? And by the way, it's okay to complain to God. David did it. A lot of people have done it. But we don't live there. That's, that, that becomes the issue. Because uh, really, in this grand scheme of things, uh, our hearts should be attuned to praise him and to be happy and joyful. Uh, that's why we were uh, wanted to do a third song this morning, felt joyful. There's uh, Thanksgiving songs of the individual, praise you, O Lord. There's royal psalms, which were used at weddings and coronations. And before battle, there were psalms that were used and written. There's also wisdom psalms. But the one we're dealing with today is what would be classified a hymn or a call to worship. And if we just read it quickly, because it's a very short psalm, I'll, I'll read the first three. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates. We'll look at this next Sunday uh, for Mother's Day, and I'll make a reference to that too. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So it is a call to worship, Yodehave, and that's the name for Yahweh. So we're first of all supposed to praise God, to praise God, make a joyful noise, Rishvav Oin, uh, a lot has been written about this, but there's really only two ways to interpret Rishvav Oin. That means uh, make a joyful noise. The first way, at least in the Hebrew literature and language, the first way is it was used to blow trumpets before a battle. So make a joyful noise, and you would blow those trumpets and you would go into battle. And what that signified was that God was getting ready on behalf of the nation of Israel to attack its enemies. And it was a moment of joy to know that God was going to be with them as they did the battle. We see that really throughout the Old Testament. Uh, that God was always, not always, I would say not always, but mostly on the side of Israel. There were times when Israel was disobedient to God and it cost them. 
But this is one way to interpret that, make a joyful noise. The second way, which I think is the way intended in this text, since it is a call to worship, is congregational worship. That's what we do here. So we're supposed to make a joyful noise. And uh, I hear people say this a lot. You know, uh, uh, Pastor Mike, I just don't sing because I have a terrible voice. Well, welcome to the crowd. Right? I led worship. I don't, that's not my forte. That's not my, but I did it because anything that we lift up in praise honors God. You don't need to be an opera singer to praise him. You don't need to be highly gifted because all praise, God inhabits the praise of his people. In my last church, there was a gentleman that was uh, challenged mentally. And we had a, a young man in my church that would his name was Steve, and the young man uh, was Ron, and Ron would take Steve up on the stage and he would sing. And it wasn't really audible. I mean, you couldn't really make out what he was singing. They had the tune they would play, but and you knew what the song was, and it touched me. Why did it touch me? It touched me because he was singing that from his heart. So look, when we come in here on Sunday morning, we've got to lift our voices. We've got to make some noise. We've got to be joyful. Look at all the things that we have to be joyful about. God saved us. God saved us by Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, and I used that last week, to the dominion of light. He has set us on high. As soon as we die, we go to be with him. We will be with him forever. His presence is with us. So when we're out there, when we're in here, lift our voices. Who cares what it sounds like? It does not matter. What matters is we say, God, I love you, even if my voice doesn't sound professional, which is what I was told by a person in the church. You shouldn't have him up there because it doesn't look professional. And I looked at the man and I said, we are not professionals. We're here to praise God. And of course, that was the end of that conversation because I just wasn't going to budge. I was going to run Steve up there every chance I got. Because it, it touched people in worship. And he didn't... You. There was a couple of words you could make out. But you could see it. And then I think, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us when we come in and we just go through the motions? And I think about that. That, that touched me very deeply. And I could tell that he loved the Lord. He wasn't up there just to be up there. He, he really wanted to sing about what God had done in his life. Sing, be joyful. And I know, I get it, not every day is a, a day where the birds are singing and landing on your shoulder and, and everything's rosy. I understand that, I, I get that. I have days like that where I wish I could just go back to bed and wake up tomorrow. But that should be the exception, not the rule. 
we should have this idea in our hearts before we even come in here to go, you know what, Lord, I'm coming in to worship you. I, I know this is going on. I know this is going on. I know this is going on. God, you know the week that I've had. But when I come in here, I'm going to praise you and I'm going to lift my voice and sing. And by the way, this is a safe place. This is a safe place. We don't judge how somebody sings to God. Make a joyful noise. And it's to the Lord, Yodehave. This is the covenant name for God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, Yodehave. And then we get into an interesting phrase, all the earth. Now, there's a couple of ways to translate this. I'm just going to translate it the way I, I see it. I see this as a moment of evangelism. Make a joyful noise, all the earth. Uh, the psalmist is telling the nation of Israel, you have a great God, an awesome God, and you need to let everybody know about it. You need to be out on the highways and byways and tell the pagans and those who are outside the covenant of God to praise him and to sing his praises. There's so many things that we can do if, if we look at this from an evangelistic state uh, point, that this actually becomes a moment when we can sing praises and we go out, we leave here, we're so excited to go out into the world, and it's a tough world, but to tell people what God has done in our lives and in our hearts and in our homes, and he's done a lot. Uh, Rolf Jenkinson, in his commentary, wonderfully writes this. The psalm is an invitation to join in Israel's bold witness and countercultural faith. And at the heart of the hymn is the witness that the Lord and no other is God. This is countercultural. Our faith is countercultural. Y'all know that. The faith that we have is, goes against the culture in which we live. And so the best way for people to see that and to understand that is when we are joyful, they start to question why we are so joyful. But if we go out on the highways and byways of life and everything is negative, everything's down, and I get it, there's times it happens to me too, you just get in this vacuum and it seems like it's dark, but you can't live there. You have to get out of that. And you have to realize that there's a world outside these church walls that needs to know Jesus. And the way that they see Jesus is when we go into the, into the workplace, into our social areas, and we're just joyful and we're thankful and we tell people what God has done in our hearts and lives and homes. And, and they begin to question. They, they begin to question. I think Ralph Jenkinson is absolutely right. Uh, we worship the true God. And guess what? We get to do that every Sunday. We get to come to church, and we get to worship and praise God. Speaking of the church, I got, about evangelism, 
Are you okay? This man's yelling down into the hole. Oh yes, we're very cozy down here. It's a bit musty, but we're great. How's the world? The church can be silent and lock the world out. But Jesus said we're to be out there, we're to be singing God's praises, we're to be showing people the true light, and the church cannot conceal the light of the gospel. I guess it could. It's not supposed to. We're supposed to be out there showing people Jesus. And that, that this was pretty, pretty good when you're talking about all the peoples of the world. And people say, well, the, Jesus gave the Great Commission. I see this as a, as a commission, as unto itself. The, the way that we live and the way that we act and the way that people see us has a great implication on how they view Jesus. And you don't have to be telling jokes 24 hours a day, seven days a week to show that you're happy. It, it should just emanate from us. There should be this joyful spirit most of the time. And, and I get it. I totally get it. I have days like that. You have days like that when we're not so joyful. But again, it should be the exception, not the rule. Then there is the, we're to praise him and a call to serve. Serve the Lord, avad, means to serve. And again, if you will, if you go to verse, uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Again, the issue here on serving is, you could say it this way, enter the sanctuary doors. So as you come in here, there's an element of labor and toil that goes along with this worship. So, well, let me, let me put it this way. You have people that you love, right? Everybody has people that they love. What do you do for those people that you love? You do things, right? You take care of them when they're sick. And unfortunately, we have a lot of sickness this morning. Um, you buy them things. You try to make them happy. Well, it's the same type, and we get into the shepherd image here in just a few minutes. Uh, when you love someone, when you love someone, you do things for them. It's an expression of that love. And he follows this up by saying, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Let the world know about God in this case. In our case, let the world know about Jesus. And then, serve the Lord. Many people will uh, forget that it's not just the act of worship. I think what the psalmist is getting at here is that, that this worship finds its way in the community in the form of service. What we do here on Sunday morning does not end. And uh, there's so many, I think Dave, Deacon David Walker once told me there was 147, I, I could be wrong on that number, it's close, it's a ballpark. Uh, he, he looked up the, the list of stuff 
a list of positions, and he said there's over 140 positions. Uh, we could fact check that next week, and I'll bring it back to you. But uh, serving the Lord, we just had a fifth Sunday fellowship dinner. By the way, I want to thank all those ladies that put that together. That was really, that was really wonderful. We're to be serving. And not only does the service reflect our love for God, but it also benefits others. I, I think of people in this church that write cards. I've mentioned that before. Very important. And by the way, thank you for sending that card this week. Cards are very, very important. There's also teaching Sunday school. This is all part of serving the Lord. You know, and I understand, I know kids can be difficult at times. But you don't know the impact that you are having on a child when you are teaching Sunday school. Back in the memories of my mind, I still see that little pastor there in my hometown. And, and I would, down to Sunday school, and we colored pictures. I still remember that. that. And did that, did that single event, although I went several times with my friends, and we didn't even know Jesus. We were trying to learn about Jesus. And I remember going to church following that. And I didn't catch anything that the pastor said. None, probably. But I do remember him mentioning Jesus. I wonder, did that, those events there, even though I didn't know what was going on, did those events play a significant role in me trusting in Jesus Christ? October 12, 1981. God uses, would you agree with me, God uses everything to lead us to a place where we can be saved. And let me just say this. For those Sunday school teachers that are here, I personally want to thank you for leading your Sunday school groups, and in particular for kids, because I'm telling you at some point they're going to recall that and they're going to remember that. I'm just going through a couple of uh, ways that you can serve in the church. This is, oh, and I forgot my door hanger. I left it up. Um, pray and go. We kind of stopped that last year. But pray and go, it, we have door hangers. I got a, a stack full that we, I think we left off. We finished over here. We need to go to the new section. And all we do with these pray and go is you just, hang them on the door, you don't interact with anybody, you hang them on the door or the knob or in their door somewhere, and then you pray for that home. I think this group in the Pine Belt, there are 50,000 homes in five years, that's their goal. We have, I, I can't remember the exact census that we have in Tolono, but it's probably around 4,000, 3,000 in that ballpark. Uh, wouldn't that be great if we could get people from here to just walk around the community putting door hangers on the door and praying for that home 
and moving on by, let's say, October. Getting out there. Getting out there and letting people see our church. And that doesn't, you really, you just have to, you have to be able to walk. And although Jim and I, we took the golf cart one Sunday, we were on one Saturday, didn't we? We were out there running around with the golf cart. I get out. I, I, I can't run like that now because I got three bone spurs in my right foot, which the doctor just identified. So surgery coming. But I can still ride on your golf cart. And you can put you can put my leg up, and we can go put them out that way. Um, pray and go is a very simple way. You just go around and pray for people. Somebody might even ask you. That's a way to serve. That's a way to show God that you love him. That's not all the way you have to do it, but that's, that's one way. And then there is certainly taking time to build a relationship with an unbeliever. That's one way we can say, look, you know what? This is what I know about God. This is, he's been so good to me, and I just want to share the gospel with you. You don't get, need to get into a big... Uh, long discussion just let them know what god y'all know this i've said it before there's three there's one easy way to share your testimony how it was before christ how it was the moment you trusted in christ and how it is now and the most important one of those two would be how it was the moment you received christ and what he's done in your life today psalmist says when you come in Praise him because of what he's done in your life. And that's awesome if you could do that. So not only is there the call to worship and praise, but the fact is he is our creator. He is our creator. So here the psalmist teaches that God must be acknowledged for who he is. Can you imagine a worship service where we didn't make reference to God or didn't make reference to Jesus Christ or didn't make reference to the Holy Spirit or do anything spiritually aligned with the Word of God? You would not have worship. Back when I was at Midwestern Seminary in Kansas City, Summer and I, Holly might have been sick that day, but Summer and I, attended a church where the pastor got up in front of the congregation, a Southern Baptist church. I'll never forget it. He got up and he lifted up. He said, today I'm not going to be speaking from the Bible. I'm going to be speaking, speaking by this book that was written. I saw the guy in front of me take off his tie and put it, and it's just like, really? You're going to have your people gather. You're going to have worship, but you're not going to share the Bible. Of course, needless to say, we didn't go back. But knowledge. Know that the Lord, He is God. The word knowledge here means having a personal understanding of the nature of God. And then it is He who made us. It is he who made us. <clears throat> That's a really kind of, this is where they think it went back to Moses and the writings. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
So God is the creator. By the way, I saw an article today, uh, this morning while I was uh, eating cereal. Uh, the rings of Saturn are starting to break up. Then if you read down a little bit further, it said in the next hundred million years, <laughs> won't be any rings. I'll already be with the Lord by then. But you think about God. He created everything. He created the universe. He created the world. He created the seas, the animals. All the stuff we have in this world was created by God. And then, and then God saved man. And by the way, I think he had to do all of these other things first. The topsoil, the trees, which produce oxygen. God did all of that. And then the last act of creation, the last act of creation, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Genesis 1.27. You have been created in the image of God, the Deo of God. You have God's thumbprint. You all probably know this. No two people have the exact same snow, uh, fingerprint. Did you know that? We don't. That's how they're able to do all these things because nobody has the exact same. Can you imagine? That cannot be random chance. The God of the universe. I was even told that uh, no two snowflakes are exactly alike. Only God could do that. You can't manufacture that out of nothing. That just doesn't happen. I'm sorry. And for the creationists, or not for the creationists, for the evolutionists, and all these people that believe it just started with nothing, well, if it started with nothing, God did it. It wasn't, and I got into a conversation the other night with somebody about the Big Bang. Big Bang world's going like this. We do see that. We do see the, the effects of that. Think about stars that are born, stars that die. Everything, everything God did, he did purposefully. The earth, the earth itself, the earth itself is on the right axis to sustain life. Any deviation from that, life ceases to exist. God. And the psalmist says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Know that the Lord is. He is God. That's what we do. We go out there. We're happy. We're joyful because we know God created us wonderfully in his image. And we praise him. And again, I kind of jumped the gun on this one, but I'm really big into the space. Tried to get... I sent out an email to our group, the Astrological Society, having, was looking at Friday evening, and it was perfectly clear, and I sent this thing out, and I said, everybody want to go to the observatory? And, and of course, then at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, I had to send another one out saying, we can't go out because the cloud cover's coming in. Sure enough, it came in. I was like, ugh. How the universe works, I watch this. They get 50% of it correct. 50% of it's all right. The fact is, there's only one God and we worship the one true God. 
You all know that, right? We worship the one true God. There is no other God. And Jesus said there's no other way to heaven to get to God except through him. So Jesus Christ is the pivot point in history. Let's go out there and tell people. Let's share what he has done in our lives. And then, boy, I'm going to let you all out of here early. He is our creator, and he mentions here the shepherd. But he's more than a creator. He is also our savior. We are his people. Several years ago, several years ago, I went to the Frazier reunion in West Virginia. That's where a lot of my family's from. I don't claim that. I claim from I'm Ohio because I was born in Columbus. Then moved to Florida when I was little, five years old. So I went to this Frazier reunion and met all the, well, there's actually two groups, the Frasers, and it's been so long ago I forgot the other group. But we all got together and we had a, what was called a Frasier reunion. By the way, we're from Scotland originally, and my dad told me that was back when he was alive. He said, you know, the Scottish Frasers invited us to Scotland. And I'm thinking, hey, I might go to that because that's where golf originated and I could play on the golf course there, but now maybe I'll contact him. Holly's pretty good at that stuff. I could get her to do that. But he says we are his people. Please know this this morning that no matter what is going on in your life and in your heart, in your family, with your friends, anything that you've got going on, you're his people. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't abandon you. For he is, we are his people. Remember that. It's particularly when the days get difficult at times. It's easy to think, where is God? Well, I'm telling you, God is there with you. You're his family. You're part of his lineage. You are in his genealogy. You have the DNA of Jesus Christ living in your heart that washed away all of your sins. You are his. See, he even showed me. Light just came on. See that? Light just came on. I remember uh, Irene when I was preaching her funeral and every, everything went off. The lights and everything. We talked later. She might have been messing with us. <laughs> now, that light just happened to come on. It looks new, but... We're his people. Shouldn't we sing about that? Shouldn't we be joyful and happy? And Lord, forgive us when we're not. I guess that's the easy way to say it. You know what's interesting about this image? This image is all through the Old Testament and New Testament about sheep and shepherd. Uh, this is us. This is us. It says that God is our shepherd. Do you know what that suggests? That should suggest a loving relationship. I'm not a Joel Osteen type thing. But I'm going to tell you this. 
And I want you to know this this morning, that you can nail down. God loves you. And he cares about every facet of your life. Jesus uses the shepherd and sheep image to say that a shepherd loses one of his sheep, he leaves the 99, and he goes gets that one sheep because he loves him. God loves you. And it's not based on your performance, and it's not based on my performance, thank goodness. But it's based on what Jesus Christ did for us. And he just says here, we are the sheep of his pasture. This world that we live in is the pasture, a pasture, and we go out and we praise him and tell others, this is what God has done in my life and why you should want to be in Christ. We go out and do that. You know... It's sometimes easier to just walk away from an argument when it gets heated than stay in it and try to debate. There's probably more witness in that. Just say, you know what, I don't want to really get into this with the, the feelings that are going on. We just walk away. And, and sometimes this is the world we live in. They're angry. They're angry. It's just amazing. And, but we're supposed to be the ones that love people. We're supposed to be out there going, this is what God does in our hearts. It can do it in your heart. It's a loving, that's a loving relationship. And by the way, just to remind the church this morning, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. John 10, 11. And by the way, he did that. For future sheep. Jesus endured the cross. He not only said it, but he modeled it. And so our response to this is, Lord, I want to follow you. I know you love me, and because you love me, and because I love you, I want to follow you. Jesus also said, the sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. This image, this image that Jesus and God have been presenting ultimately reflects itself in a loving relationship. I love animals, except the mean ones. <laughs> the ones you need pepper spray for, but <laughs> I love animals. And I do believe we're to be stewards of those. But my love for animals fails in comparison to God's love for us. Do you know that God cares about every little aspect of your life? He does. He cares about every little aspect of your life. Quite amazing. What do we learn from all this? Psalm 103, 1 to 3. I'll finish uh, 4 and 5 next week. And of course, I also want to do a little bit of things for Mother's Day because what you moms do is fantastic. What we take from this passage, these three verses, we are to praise him.
let me just say, spend, send, spend some time this week prepping for next week. Just take some time to say, Lord, I want to praise you for all the things that you do for me. I, it doesn't always have to be singing. It's, I think it's an inward attitude. of. Uh, there, a pastor once said, the first sign of a spiritual problem is an attitude of ingratitude. I think that's true. Spend some time this week just saying, God, let, let, me, let me first of all thank you for my family, thank you for my friends, thank you for my finances, thank you for my house, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just spend time praising him. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for sending so-and-so. I, I, think, I think we're to praise him, and it's not just here. But the psalmist does remind these worshipers as they come in, remember to praise him. Secondly, we are to witness to the world the greatness of God. He is good, isn't he? God is good, and he's certainly been good to all of us. We are in a loving relationship with God. And then lastly, and I think this is the most important, by the psalmist saying we are his people, he is our shepherd and our savior, he is saying this, you are secure. No man, Jesus said, will ever pluck you out of my hand. There are times we don't feel that way. But praise him, witness for him, love him, and know that you are secure. This is where the psalmist goes.